Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the latest edition of Gifts for Glory podcast. Whether you're watching us live on Facebook or YouTube, or you're catching the replay on rumble.com slash gifts for glory, or you're uh, checking us out on the Creative Motion Network, or listening on any podcast platform, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited you're here. We're going to have a really fun time tonight. Uh, we're talking to Tracy DeGraff. She's got a, a great comedy special coming up Friday, December 3rd. Uh, be sure to get tickets. Uh, the uh, website is in our chat right now. It's also going to be in our show notes. Uh, so those of you that are watching live, uh, check out the uh, the uh, comments that are going up and down uh, from today's uh, show notes. And uh, uh, just uh, check it out. Tickets are going fast. There's only around 50 remaining. Uh, I think it was actually 48 remaining uh, right as we're going live. So uh, uh, the uh, link going out right now. Uh, be sure to uh, grab your tickets and go out and have a great night. Uh, it's been so long since we've all had a chance to just come together, laugh, and you get to be part of a very special night. Uh, with Tracy on uh, Friday, December 3rd. Uh, so we're going to jump right into our uh, Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, today's devotion is coming from the uh, book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. And uh, that's Isaiah 6, 8. And what's very interesting is you think about just the awesomeness of what Isaiah was seeing in that moment. He saw God on his throne. He was seeing his robe filling the temple. He was seeing all the seraphim and everything. And he was just in this awesome moment. And he said, yes, Lord, I'll go for you. Now we, on this side, we we don't necessarily get those moments. We don't get that Isaiah moment of we're in God's temple. We're there and experiencing it. The, the angel's not coming to to put a hot coal to our lips and, and cleanse us. We we don't get that magical moment, but we get the moment to always say to the Lord, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go. And the question is, are we willing? Are we truly willing to go and be God's messengers, uh, to go out and reach people for for the kingdom? Are we willing? And, and the hope is that you are, because the, Jesus' commandment was go to the ends of the earth, which is kind of interesting because God knows that the world is round. So w- when you start and you go all the way around, there is no end. You just keep on going. Uh, so who's going to go for the Lord? Be in that position where you're ready to say, yes, Lord, send me, I'll go. Don't be a Jonah and get eaten by a fish. Be willing to go and to serve and to uh, bring more and more people aboard the the life raft that is Jesus because this world is sinking. This world is a Titanic, and we need to get everybody on board. There's plenty of room on board the life raft that is Jesus, but we just have to go. We have to be willing to say this word, uh, this salvation, this promise from Jesus is valuable enough that I want to share it with more people. So be in Isaiah. Be willing to go. Be willing to, to serve and, and tell the truth and, and bring more and more people to Christ. So that was our uh, devotions with Dave coming from Isaiah 6-8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. So would you have that same response? Lord, send me. I hope you would. 
So now let's get to our show. Uh, we have a, a phenomenal guest. She's an amazing comedian with a power te- powerful testimony. She's an author. She's a mom of five. Uh, she's got a frequent flyer card. Frequent flyer card to the ER because those boys continually found new ways to get into uh, uh, physical harm and danger. But uh, uh, they're doing well now, and uh, we're just really excited to have uh, Tracy DeGraff join us. Tracy, welcome to Gifts of Glory. Good to have you. Hey, Dave. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, uh, I've seen you perform. Uh, you have a great show. And Thank you. A lot of a lot of you know a lot of your material is geared towards women, but men don't feel excluded. Come on out on Friday, December third. Uh, it, it's going to be for everybody. Men love my show. They there there are always a few men in the show, and I think it's because they see themselves in my material. I've mm-hmm. raised five boys, so now they're all men, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think that when men hear from the perspective of a mother of five boys, I think that they can relate. You know, like oh my gosh, I put my mother through that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. So how many times raising five boys did you end up visiting the ER? Well, at the time that I wrote the book, it was 21 times. And now it's been 24 times. And I think we're past it now. We only have Mm -hmm. one son living in our home and he's moving out like in a week. So we're going to be empty nesters in a week. (laughs) I'm kind of excited. (laughs) So... So we were there, you know, we have been questioned, but not investigated. And there's okay. a very big difference, <laughs> huge difference. <laughs> now, 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 is that true or is that part of the bit? No, that's absolutely true. Oh, wow. I mean, we've been questioned. You know, there was a period of time when we had, um, I think we were there within a six-month period four times Ooh. for different stupid things like um, rocks up the nose, swallowed nickels, um, you know, just goofy things like that. And I can't remember, I think it was stitches on the chin that got us questioned, you know, Mm. one of our boys, actually the one who's moving out in a week, (laughs) (laughs) he he just took a nosedive in the gravel and they questioned us. They thought that maybe we had something to do with it. I'm like, hmm, maybe I thought about it, but I didn't do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then that that required more questions. Like you've thought about it. How close are you to acting out on it? Yeah, no, no, I just think about it here like they're they're boys and there's well, gravity stuff is gonna happen that was pretty much the the um nod that we got from the doctor and the nurse who were working on him when we explained that we have five boys they, they just said oh yeah we get it yeah yeah and they moved on <laughs> so i think the burning question that uh, most people that aren't familiar with your act want to know mm-hmm. is who is muffin and how did he get that name well, Muffin is my husband. His real name is Ron. And Muffin is a construction worker in the Chicago area. So the name Muffin doesn't really fit him. So, mm-hmm. so of course, I make fun of that because comedy, is, it, that's kind of how comedy works. You know, yeah. it's um, taking it to that degree of, oh, a Chicago construction worker named Muffin. And that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting, you know. Um, so it's just a little nickname, a little pet name for my husband. And when I was building my act, um, I think I've been doing comedy now 11 years. Okay. So when I was building my act, I was watching um, some videos that Phyllis Diller put out on YouTube. Yeah. So she was interviewed by someone and she was talking about her act and she was talking about characters in her act. And I hadn't written my one woman show yet. I had no idea 
really what I was doing. I started at the Second City taking um, stand-up classes, and I was working with a friend who, at the time, I didn't even know him, but he's now a friend, uh, Michael Isaac. He's a comedian in the Chicago area. He's doing a lot on cruise ships. Thankfully, now they're starting to get busy again. But Michael was coaching me. He wanted to become an author, and I had written a book. And I wanted to become a comedian, and that's what he was. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of helping each other and working together. So as I was building my act, my one-woman show, Life Happens Laugh Anyway, Muffin was a great launching point, you know, because that was the beginning of, you know, the marriage. Mm -hmm. And then that led to calling the five boys the mini muffins. And that led to me getting the nickname of Bakery. And that's the first bit. That's the first bit in my show is explaining our whole family and then how we had to shut the bakery down. And I forced my husband to have a vasectomy, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, it's all true. I have my husband, we've been married for 32 years in a row. We have five boys. It is, it was like a bakery. I popped out a mini muffin every other year for a whole decade during the nineties. I don't even wow. remember the nineties. It's a complete blur. Um, and then I just put it into the format of a one woman show. Yeah. So the, the writing the book uh, that came first and that right. led into the comedy. So uh, tell us about the, uh, the first book. Well, my book is called laugh anyway, mom. And it's the experiences that muffin and I have had over 32 years of raising the mini muffins, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I always wanted to be a writer from the time I was just a little girl. I was 12 years old and in junior high and I was like, this is great. I loved, I loved doing creative writing and I wrote for the junior high newspaper and then I wrote for the high school newspaper and then I went to college and I got a degree in journalism and I graduated from Illinois State University in 1988 and I was like, I'm going to be a writer. And I thought it was going to go like that, but then I met Muffin and, and then, then we have started having those kids in the nineties and I couldn't even put two sentences together, you know, let alone write a book. raising them. And it wasn't until I turned 40 that I actually put my book together. So that's a long time to put something on the back burner, you know? Um, And I actually set out to write a totally different book. I was going to write fiction. I was going to write something interesting like Harry Potter, you know, that was popular when I started to write, but fiction is harder to write actually than nonfiction in my opinion. And one of my friends, I was struggling with this fictitious family that I was trying to come up with. And uh, one of my friends was reading it and she said, why don't you just write about your own family? Because the stories that I would share with like my sister and my best friend, they found them to be very funny. And Mm -hmm. because five boys is the ultimate comedy, you know, um, definition of comedy, you know, tragedy plus time. If you can survive it, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And so that's what my book is. It's just a collection of our trips to the emergency room, our holiday failures. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about all your successes. They want to hear about the time that we almost went through the car wash with our Christmas tree on top. That happened because we forgot about it. We were a busy, crazy family of five boys that we were just so overwhelmed. We forgot that we had been to the tree farm and the Christmas tree was on top of the minivan. And we almost went through. Something stopped us. But that story's in the book. Um, uh, fires in the oven. All, all kinds of different conundrums. And that's really entertaining to people. Because I think it makes them feel better about their own 
experience. Either they feel like they can relate, like, oh man, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're like, and at least I'm not that bad. So either either not alone or not that bad. Yeah. yeah. And for those uh, watching the video, uh, here's the cover of the book. Oh, look at that. Uh, Laugh Anyway Mom uh, by Tracy DeGraff. Uh, you can get that at her website, uh, tracydegraff.com. Yeah. Uh, buy the book. Now there is a second book. It's an ebook, I believe. Uh, yes. The um, Open Your Bible Anyway, which you can get through the website at tracydegraff.com. Uh, so uh, anyway, seems to be a running thread through uh, right. your comedy and your uh, writing. Tell us about uh, this book that they can get on your website. Well, you know, the anyway word is like my brand. Like that's mm-hmm. that that really. And my next book is called Pray Anyway. But the reason that I'm using that word when I when I initially wrote Laugh Anyway, Mom, I titled it. My working title was Ugh, the Joys of Raising Boys. And I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was so cute, you know, ugh, because it it, it is joyful, but it, it, there there's a lot of grit <laughs> involved right. in raising five boys. Well, when I tested it on the market, you know, and this was totally self-published work. So I just had to figure it out. And I, I found out through, you know, just asking questions that it's best to test. That rhymes. It's best because what I think is fun or what I think is cute, you know, may not necessarily sell. And show business or entertainment, it it is a business, so you have to be able to sell it. If you're going to write a book for your own purposes, that's totally different. But if you're going to write a book that you want people to buy, you need to structure it so that it serves them in some way. And when we did the test on UGG, The Joys of Raising Boys, we found that mothers of girls initially didn't think that they were going to relate to it, but they found that they enjoyed the book anyway. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the drawing board and I was just trying to come up with, well, what am I going to call this book? And it took me a long time to get those three words, laugh anyway, mom. But it came to me, you know, that even though life can get crazy and you might have several trips to the emergency room, you might have a fire in your oven or, you you know, whatever. If you can find the joy in the craziness, you're going to be okay. You're going to survive. And then open your Bible anyway is just a little ebook that I want to give away to people if they sign up for my newsletter. And they'll get a weekly email from me. And in there, it just shows people how to overcome objections that keep us away from having a daily devotion with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it gives really step-by-step the structure of how to just carve out 15 minutes a day to sit down with your Bible and open it. And let, you know, and then let, you know, God do what only he can do. Right. You just have to show up. Yeah, have to be show up and, and and be willing, and that's all that's required of us is to show up and be willing, and then God takes care of the rest. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, again, visit uh, tracydegraff dot com uh, for that. Um, now, there's something that you've done uh, recently, just during this year. Uh, mm-hmm. You launched the uh, Life Happens uh, Laugh Anyway podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about the podcast and and what uh, people can can find out about that podcasting, I didn't even know what a podcast was really. I mean, you had me as a guest on your, on your podcast back when it was just audio, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm not a tech person just trying to get here today and make sure that this was all working. <laughs> <It's a challenge. laughs> but 
because of the pandemic, I was home. Everything that I had on my calendar canceled, just like it did for everybody else. And um, my management team, uh, Mike, he said, you know, you need to do a podcast. <laughs> he said, you should do a podcast ASAP. You're home. You might as well do it. So I grabbed my best friend, Catherine, and I said, come on, I can't talk to myself for an hour, so get in here. <laughs> and I didn't want to do this style of podcasting because it scared me, the technology of it. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can learn things, but anyway, I just thought it would be more fun if I grabbed Catherine. So what we do is I'm actually broadcasting from what we call the pod lab. It's just a spare bedroom in our home. One of my kids moved out recently, so he can't come back <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> taken over. Um, but Catherine and I bring a different topic every week to the table. And for example, the last one that we just released was on Thanksgiving. And then we research it and, you know, curate the internet for all kinds of, you know, little bits and bobs. And then we discuss it. And typically the podcasts are about 45 minutes long about that. We try to be entertaining, you know, and then we follow it with some spiritual encouragement. And the Thanksgiving episode, I just re-listened to it. It's really quite funny. And I learned some stuff like in, in high school, when I took history, I wasn't interested, but now I'm 55 and, you know, I've lived in the country. I have a little bit more of an idea, you know, mm -hmm. of things I'm interested. I found out that in our country, in the United States, we had two Thanksgivings. Did mm. you know that? I didn't know that. Okay. In 1939, I'll give you this little nugget and then, then you're going to have to listen to the episode. Okay. In 1939, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the president, you know, and it was like crazy because the depression was really depressing. And some businessman came up to him. I've forgotten his name now, but he said, why don't we make Thanksgiving a week earlier so we can get the retail situation going mm -hmm. um, because that particular year Thanksgiving fell on the fifth Thursday. There were five Thursdays in uh, November that year and it wow. fell on the fifth Thursday. Yeah. So anyway, um, they agreed. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds like a great idea. Well, they were in the democratic party. Well, the opposite party, the Republican party, they didn't like that idea because whatever one party says, the other party says, uh, uh, right. <laughs> So long story short, we ended up with two Thanksgivings because neither side would budge. They wanted it the way they wanted it. One wanted to keep it the way it always had been. One wanted it the other way. So they called the new one Franksgiving because it was Franklin Delano Roosevelt's idea. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it just goes to show you, because when I learned that, I did chuckle about it, but it goes to show you that... Um, you know, disagreement is nothing new. Right. Even though it seems like it might seem like with the pandemic and everything and all the politics, it might seem like we're pretty divided, but we're still the United States of America. Right. And we've still you know, come through a lot harder things than what we're currently facing. So we ended that particular episode on a high note. And we shared some scripture and it, it, it's pretty awesome episode. So I would encourage people that you can find it anywhere episodes, uh, you get your podcasts. And I would really just like to say that I think that we should compromise and have two Thanksgivings. Why anyway. not? I love Thanksgiving. Yeah. So yeah. you make Thanksgiving one week and you eat the leftovers 
And then by the time you're out of food, it's time to cook again. <laughs> and, and there you go. Yeah. It's crazy. We'll call it November Franks and Thanks Month. Yeah. Might as well. I, I'm going to put that forth. And whoever runs of that platform has got my vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So uh, you've got the podcast, you've got a, uh, the the physical book, you've got the ebook, you've got mm-hmm. uh, comedy, and uh, and you're finally about a week away from being an empty nester. So um, you know, you're you've had the, a full life in these eleven years that you've been doing comedy. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so I want to dive in now and I hear your story about how it all came to be. Um, you know, tell us about your journey. Cause I know that, uh, and anybody that knows, you knows that you've had a major battle that you've overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell us, when did you first find a relationship with Jesus and, and how did that help you through, uh, the, uh, that struggle that you had? Well, um, I first learned about a relationship with Jesus when I went to college mm-hmm. because I knew about Jesus. I mean, I think a lot of probably everybody knows about him. Right. And I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was raised in church, but I did have a religion Mm -hmm. and, but I certainly didn't have like a daily connection, a daily relationship. I didn't consult with God about decisions and things like I do now, you know, it was, it's hard to, to explain the difference between a religion and a relationship, but it's way more closer. It's way more intimate. Um, the I guess the religion felt like it was here, you know, in my head, mm-hmm. and the relationship was here in my heart. Yeah, and it, it it's um it's not very far that distance, <laughs> you know, it's it's only like a foot, but it can be um a long a, a long ways away if you're if you don't have that connection with Jesus. So I I became interested in the Bible when I went off to college. I hadn't ever read the Bible. And I was actually, um, initially, I was just interested in having fun. That was like, my theme song would have been Cindy Lauper, right? Girls just want to have fun. And I I did have fun. But I met a group of students who they not only had fun on campus, but they also went to Bible study and they had like worship services. And it was like a a youth group. It was called the Navigators. I don't know if you're familiar with that ministry. No. But it's like a parachurch ministry that, you know, it's not a church, but they started out actually on a military bases. That's why they were called the Navigators back in the 50s. And then they, you know, moved into um, college campuses. And that's where I really started to learn about the Bible. And it took me about six months of going to their meetings and I joined a Bible study and I just didn't understand all the lingo with the Bible. Like I didn't even know how to look up a verse. I knew that there were a bunch of numbers inside the Bible, but I I wasn't familiar with anything. (laughs) Um, But I remember this gal, Elaine, who uh, was the leader of my Bible study, and she shared with me the bridge illustration. And the bridge illustration is basically uh, a drawing just on a piece of paper that shows you the gap that's between sinful man and God and how sin created that gap because the gospel message, the good news is basically that God created us. Right. I mean, mean, that wasn't too, that wasn't a big stretch for me. I was like, okay, I got that part. God created us and that he wants a relationship with us. Well, I could even swallow that one. Okay. 
But then when that message got to the sin part and showed me that I was separated from God because of my sin, that's where I went, wait a minute, what? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't consider myself a sinner. Right. It's not like I thought that I was a perfect person, you know, but I'm good. I, like I didn't murder anybody. Those people are sinners, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. And so when that, when I realized that, that I was really, truly a sinner and that my goodness didn't have anything to do with my connection with God. And actually I was kind of doomed if I didn't ask for forgiveness for my sins. That's when the light bulb went on. Mm. Sign me up. I want that. And I prayed to receive Christ. I asked him to forgive me for my sin. I recognized that I was a sinner. And then I, 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 I just prayed like the sinner's prayer, you know, Lord, forgive right. me for my sin, come into my heart, wipe it all clean and help me to do my best to, to you know, be a, a better follower of you. I didn't really know what to say. I was just kind of repeating after the Bible study leader. Right. But I left that room. I was in a little dorm room and I left that room and I went right next door to where I lived with my roommate. And I was like, look at this. And I showed her the whole thing. I'm like, and I thought she was going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) And it took a little while, but it took me a while too to understand, you know, like I said, that I was a sinner. And so that was the beginning of my relationship with God. And after that, I mean, I just haven't looked back in terms of that foundation of faith. And I started going to church regularly. I've, I've been in Bible study now for like 35 years, whatever it's been since, I guess it was 1985 that I, that I did that. Um, and then I met my husband and we got married and had the kids and all that stuff. So I'm very grateful that at the age of 19, the Lord stepped in and he mm-hmm. intervened <laughs> because my life could have been very different had it not been for that. And I, the biggest thing that I'm happy about, Dave, is that I have the peace that one day this life is going to be done. It's going to be over. And I have the peace that I'll be in heaven with Jesus because of yeah. him. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, um, at 19 years old in college, there are obviously going to be challenges, you know, once you make that change. Well, were there? I'm assuming that there were some challenges that – uh, made you kind of, you know, tested your faith. Yeah, um, definitely. There were definitely times where I felt like I had one foot on the shore and one foot on the boat, mm. you know, where I was torn between my former self and my new self, you know? Um, so there was that there were, it was also very challenging for me, like to go home, you know, for breaks and stuff. Cause my old friends were at home and my new friends were at college so it was lonely. I felt lonely during yeah. those times. Yeah, absolutely. So we fast forward uh, a, a couple of years or more, and then uh, you get um, a life-changing diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of walk through uh, how that and how faith, you know, helped get you through that. Well, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 50, and I'm 55 now. So I, I am cancer-free. And I'm considered cured. Once you're five years out and you haven't had a recurrence, I'm considered cured. So that's a praise. Oh, nice. Amen. Yeah. But I didn't think that I was going to get cancer. I don't know that too many people think that. Right. Um, And sadly, my mother got cancer when I was in my 20s. She died when she Mm -hmm. was only 51. And she died of bone cancer. 
it's uh, it was kind of like a it's called multiple myeloma it was like a blood cancer but it would affect her bones so her death early in my the adulthood so so she died at 51 i think i was 27 when she died and i only had two little kids then that made me like militant about getting all my screenings right yeah so when i turned 40 mom had been gone for many many years i was like i'm getting the mammogram every year i don't care you know what what's going on and i went regularly for that mammogram and it never was the thing i just said i'll see you next year yeah. and but at 50 i went in and of course i was diagnosed with breast cancer and i was shocked i was like come on now <laughs> i'm faithful to take care of this test i just didn't expect it to come back you know you have it right uh, but the good news is that, I mean, I, I, I was upset and I cried for like three days. And then after the third day, I just, I just put my tears to the side and I was just determined. I don't know why. I just think that, you know, maybe I just needed a little bit of time to grieve, mm -hmm. but I was determined to do whatever I could to, you know, deal with the disease and beat the disease. And my case was pretty easy because it was found so early. So yeah. the, the tumor was only about the size of like a little tip of your pinky, you know, it was a small wow. tumor and they were able to remove the tumor surgically with a lumpectomy. And then I received, um, I did not have to have chemotherapy. I received um, radiation therapy for three weeks after I healed up from my surgery. And then I took a, a pill once a day, they call it um, adjuvant therapy. So it's an ongoing medicine that you take to try to keep the cancer at bay. So okay. I took that for like five years. And now I'm done with that. About a year after my, um, so obviously I had to take a break from comedy right. to deal with that. And so I was off for whatever months. And then when I came back to comedy after I healed, I the breast center where I was treated, they asked me if I would come and do like a ladies night out, comedy night. And, and try to motivate the ladies to get their mammogram at the end of the night. And so I did that. And I got to tell you, it was so um, purposeful for me. It made me feel like, wow, I, I don't think I would have ever done that had I not been a breast cancer survivor. Right. And so that grew. So that was um, four years ago. And that grew over the next couple of years that very meaningful and impactful to the you know, to the ladies. And sometimes we get like 50 to 80 ladies that'll get up and sign up for their mammogram right there on the spot. Nice. Yeah. Really great. So in part of that three-day grieving process, just and in my own curiosity, was the sure. fact that you were close to the same age as your mother when she got it, that was that part of the grieving process is accepting it and that, that fear of that timeline, or was that even a thought on your mind? Um, it might have been because when you lose somebody that you're like in that close of a relationship, when, so I lost her prematurely. Yeah. She died prematurely. Most, most women don't die at 51 and most 27 year old women don't have to deal with the loss of their mother at that age, you know? Right. And so I think that I've had a different perspective from age 27 to age 50, 50 and now 55 life is precious. Yeah. And you never know when you're going to have something come your way that you didn't sign up for, you know. 
Um, early on when I lost my mom and all my friends were having their babies and their moms would come and help them and stay mm-hmm. with them. And, you know, I was jealous of my yeah. friends because I was grieving this big loss, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't recall those things coming into my mind so much. Um, but my dad, my dad just passed away in 2019. So he was here when I was diagnosed and that was tough to tell my dad that now I have cancer. And the night that I told him he lived an hour and a half away from me and I called him on the phone and I, he lived out in the star rock area in Oglesby. I don't know if you've ever been out there to start. Yeah. So it's about an hour and a half from his house to my house. And I called him on the phone and I was like, dad, I know this isn't the news that we want, but um, we're going to deal with it. And we both kind of cried on the phone. Well, I cried. He didn't. He was more positive. He's like, it's going to be okay. And uh, we hung up and it was like late at night. An hour and a half later, my doorbell rang and it was my father. Hmm. And he just, he didn't ask me if he could come over. He didn't say I'm coming over. He just got in his truck and he drove to my house. And I opened the door and I'm like, dad, what are you doing here? (laughs) And he looked at me and he said, I just had to see my baby. And I was 50, you know, and he was in his 70s and he he couldn't see that great at night. And I'm like, well, how are you going to get back home? (laughs) (laughs) Now you're at my door, my door. So it it was definitely it brought back some emotions uh, because when you're on that cancer journey, it it's not just you. That's one of the things, Dave, that I use as a motivator when I'm talking to women about their screenings. I'm like, yeah, it's hard to hear those words. You have cancer. But you know what's harder is looking in the eyes of somebody that you love and saying, I have cancer because it's a journey you're going to go on together. Right. It's, it's not something that you go on by yourself. Yeah. In, in many ways, um, for you know, especially if, if you're married, it's just like saying it's not just you're the, you who is pregnant. It's we are pregnant. The family right. has got this. Um, and so. Uh, and it's just so important that because you're so faithful to get the test each year, you caught it before it became untreatable. You caught it before mm-hmm. it it could have been a lot worse. And it just shows that it can happen in a year's time. Absolutely right. It can. And, you know, I use a metaphor of a burning building. So when I'm giving my motivational part at the end, I ask the women to imagine yourself at home tonight. You're going to go home after this event and you're going to get into bed and you're going to fall asleep. Now imagine that there's a little fire starting in your house. When would you like to become aware of that fire? Would you like to know when you can just put it out with a simple little beating on it with a towel or something? Or would you like to know when now it's you and your family are fighting for your life to get out of that house? Because that's kind of what it's like. Because if my breast cancer had gone undetected and it had gone into my lymph net, lymph, how do you say that? Lymphatic system, it would travel then, you know, yeah. it would travel throughout my body. And then it could have been stage three, stage or stage four, or even stage two, you know, and maybe I would have had to have a mastectomy, which is major surgery. Yeah. Um, so it's just to avoid suffering get the mammogram, get the screening, find out. Don't be afraid to find out. Empower yourself with this information so that you can fight it when it's still, you know, easy to take care of. It's like in in your example, the fact that it went from no warning sign to a a cancer in a year, it is literally that fire that can just 
grow if you don't pay attention to it. And it's so important to get early because I'm sure just guessing, because obviously it's not something I would experience, but Mm -hmm. letting it go to where there's a point to mastectomy, you know, that is not just the physical surgery of, okay, I'm losing something. I have to go through it. There's a psychological and a spiritual thing that you go through as well. Having that part of, uh, of you taken. Yeah. Um, a dear friend of mine had to have a double mastectomy and then reconstruction. And it's not one surgery, it's several surgeries and it's difficult. It's challenging, you know, what you have to go through. And of course your emotions are not detached from your physical body and the grieving of just having to deal with the disease is, um, is part of it. So there's nothing to fear when it comes to cancer screenings. I encourage all of my audiences, you know, that give me the opportunity to talk about cancer screenings to um, just, you know, do it, just do it. Absolutely. So Tracy, uh, this, this is something you incorporate into all of your uh, shows. Uh, So is is this message also part of your, uh, your special that you're filming in December? Uh, okay, so what we're doing in December is we're um, we're going to do the comedy because the comedy typically I work for churches or hospitals and breast centers. Those are my typical clients that hire me to come in and provide comedy. So we're going to film the comedy, which is basically a walk through the seasons of my life. You know, from getting married to having kids to gaining weight to growing a beard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do everything. <laughs> I shaved for you tonight, Dave, because this is a special occasion. Um, Right up until that point, you you were talking about my high school life. Your high school life? Yeah, getting older, getting weight, growing a beard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's just fun, relatable comedy that, you know, that people can relate to. And then at the end, I have two different ways that I go, depending on what client I'm working for. If I'm at a church, I share my testimony about um, becoming a Christian. And I share the gospel message similar to what I shared with you. You know, the the bridge illustration is what I talk about because that's how I became a Christian. And then when I'm working at hospitals or breast centers, then I share my cancer story and Mm -hmm. motivate them to um, take care of their screening. At the filming, we're going to do both because we want to film both, you know, because we want to send it out to prospective bookers of my show to give them an idea of what their show would look like. But I don't do both typically, you know, Mm -hmm. it just depends on which, which message we're really trying to hit on. Yeah. So you see both uh, messages, the the testimony and uh, the testimony about uh, the cancer survival. Right. Uh, And that's uh, Friday, December 3rd. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, the easiest way uh, through the podcast and live platform is just to refer them to your Facebook page at Tracy DeGraff Comedian, mm-hmm. uh, and then that'll link you to the event page. You can also find, if you search for Tracy DeGraff on eventbrite.com, you'll find the event mm-hmm. uh, for Friday, December 3rd. Um, material, anything new that you're really excited to debut, or are you going, uh, since this is a big thing, are you just going to mm-hmm. rely on, on the old faithful stuff? Well, definitely um, doing all of my, you know, um, I guess you could call them, traditional bits, you know, that I've been doing, or, um, I don't know what you call it, but my, my typical show. Yeah. But I have some new pandemic, um, material that I 
and putting together. I, I've done it a little bit because during the pandemic, I did some comedy, but you know, it was like outside. It, it almost felt like a picnic type of thing, you know, because um, everybody had to be outside. They had to be spread apart. Um, so I don't know, <laughs> you know, exactly how all that material is going to work, but I'm going to sandwich it in between some stuff that I've done over and over again. Um, so those bits are fun. The gym bit that I have, I haven't recorded this before, but after my cancer journey, when I was 50, I joined the gym and my credit card was declined. <laughs> and I thought, why was my credit card declined? Because there was money. It wasn't a credit card. It was a debit card. There was money in the account. And I was pretty sure that the money was there unless somebody took it. And so I asked my husband, you know, what's up with the money? And they actually shut down my card because they thought it was fraud. They thought mm. that I would never go to the gym. Oh, <laughs> Tracy wouldn't <laughs> do that. There's wow. No yeah. And so I created a bit out of that and it's, it's one of my favorites because it really happened. And now I'm so grateful. Like I was ticked at first. I'm like, you shut down the card. I can go to the gym if I want to. There's nothing that says I can't. Right. But now I'm glad that it happened because it's a funny bit in my act. Well, and you turn on the waterworks, you call the bank, you know, the bank manager and maybe they offer to pay for your gym membership. No, as a, no. <laughs> they don't care. No. <laughs> Uh, that that is funny and it's funny and it's one of those things that like you talked earlier after it happens and you survive it it's funny yeah, in the moment all, yeah. yeah it's like you know if you'd run that card for double the amount at dunkin donuts perfectly fine but at planet wow. fitness there's something wrong that's what i'm <laughs> that's exactly it so you know that's how we that's how we extract comedy from our real life so i took that experience and then put it together in stand-up structure, you know, and, and there's a couple act outs in there that are really funny. So I, I love that bit. Yeah. So that is Friday, December 3rd. Mm -hmm. We'll pop up a quick graphic up for our uh, viewing audience. Uh, be sure to check it out. It's on, uh, you can find it on our Facebook page, uh, Tracy DeGraff Comedian, and also uh, search it on Eventbrite. Friday, December 3rd is going to be at Christ Community Church. Uh, 103 West Corning Avenue in Piatone, Illinois. Uh, hope to see you. And uh, as we're going on the air, we had, a, uh, you said that there's about 48 seats remaining. Mm -hmm. uh, so for those that are watching live and those that are watching on replay, uh, scoot those up. Great early Christmas present. Uh, great uh, um, early Hanukkah present, uh, depending <laughs> on who's watching. <laughs> but uh, I, that's just surely, surely going to be a lot of fun. And um uh, and we talked before we went on the air, you know, maybe this is a warm up for a dry bar. Yeah. Hopefully. You never know. We'll see. Uh, frankly, watching the dry bar app, there are far less talented comedians that they've had. So it's only a matter of time. <laughs> well, I would, I wouldn't say that, but I would definitely say that, you know, the, the, well, I said it to you before we came on the air that when those doors open, you know, when the right doors open, um, you know, you just walk through them. So you just put it all together and you trust the Lord with it and off you go. Absolutely. All right, Tracy, I warned you uh, ahead of time and you, you'd watched a, a previous episode. So, you know, that what's coming next is the interrogation. Seven quick questions that uh, wouldn't have otherwise fit in our conversation. So here okay. we go. <laughs> 
So you're a comedian, and as a uh, an improv comedian, sometimes it's hard to really laugh at other comedians or other comedy. But what does make you laugh? Um, dry sense of humor makes me laugh. So my youngest son, Caleb, he's you know you, typically the youngest child. I'm the youngest as well in my mm-hmm. family. Younger, ch- the youngest child in the family has usually got the greatest sense of humor, and my son Caleb is just dead pan dry and he doesn't say boo <laughs> until <laughs> he says something that just cracks all of us up so i love it so uh so a stephen wright fan uh he's a little bit dark both okay. literally and figuratively yeah. you know so I know, i'm not real familiar with this work um i just know of him because you know he's a popular comedian but all right uh question number two have you ever bombed on stage? I wouldn't say that I've bombed. I would say I was horrified one time. Um, I was doing open mic. It was open mic night at the Barrel of Laughs in Oak Lawn. I don't know if you ever heard of that comedy club. It was one of the oldest running comedy clubs in the country. And it was right here in Illinois. It's closed now because um, they, they, I don't know, they just closed like several years ago. But anyway, I was doing an open mic there. And at open mic night, it's not typically my crowd. Like my crowd is usually the moms, you know, yeah. well, on open mic was usually like on Wednesday night at nine o'clock. You know where the moms are? They're in bed because <laughs> they're, right. they're watching TV because the kids are in bed. They're not at the open mics. At open mics, you've got the, you know, 21 year old drunks and the 59 year old drunks. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was drunk <laughs> at this particular open mic. But that's the only stage that I could really figure out, you know, how to work out my act. So I went to the open mics to get my material out there. And I figured if I can make these people laugh, I for sure can make moms laugh. Well, I was there and there was a group of young people that had had way too much to drink and they were heckling every single comic. Uh And these were veteran comics that I've seen around the South Chicago land area. And I'm like, Oh boy, I'm going to get up there and they're going to murder me. They're going to kill me. And so I picked out a couple out of the crowd that came there to see me. They were my friends and it happened to be their anniversary. And so I just put all of the attention on them and I just sucked the energy out of the room and put it on this young married couple and like tried to get everybody to wish them a happy anniversary type of thing to distract the, the, the the people that were drunk (laughs) from, from heckling me. Mm. And it did work. They didn't heckle me, but I don't, I wouldn't say that my comedy set was that great either. Um, I can't even remember. All I know is that I, I survived it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good move. It's a, you know, sometimes you have to enter the stage with a strategy. I, I it was a shot. I tried yeah. it. Yeah. Right, question number three, other than Jesus from who in the Bible have you learned the most? Hmm. Well, (laughs) I'm studying Galatians right now with my church. Um, There's a women's Bible study that I go to. It's actually every Monday. So I was there today and I love the Apostle Paul and his uh, style of leadership. Um, And today, the part that we were studying about the Galatians was when he was like, I can't believe that you guys are uh, falling away so quickly. We just had this great thing going. And now you're turning back to, you know, the law. You want to follow the rules of the law. And so there's a pretty in-depth study that we're doing. So I like taking it slow like that. 
-hmm. and really thinking about the characters that we're learning about because they were real people, you know, and just how frustrated it must have been for Paul to pour everything into these young up and coming believers, you know, and then to see them so quickly when he's out doing more ministry, they're running off and back to, oh, should we get circumcised or should we not? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we should. So I, I say Paul. Good answer. I, I really like Paul and uh, one of his uh, uh, books, uh, Philemon. I love how passive aggressive he was talking to Philemon about uh, about the slave coming back. I, I was like, man, I love just like, hey, I could tell you that you owe me your salvation, but I'm not going to because I trust <laughs> you to do the right thing. Yeah. I love Paul. Yeah, All right. he's an interesting guy. Number four, what was or uh, what was the or one of the first jokes you wrote and do you still use it? Well, I definitely use the muffin. I've been using that one from probably the first year that I started comedy because it's just part of my story. Mm-hmm. So I use that and it's grown over the period. You know, I've been doing it now 11 years, so it's definitely grown. Um, another one that I started out with was a fat joke about losing weight and gaining weight, like doing the yo-yo dieting. Mm -hmm. And I said that my, um, it's like my fat has a GPS. Every time I lose a pound, my fat's out there going, she lost me again. (laughs) (laughs) Hit the go home button. You know, my hips are the go home button. So that joke, that joke, I still use it, but that bit has grown into a whole Weight Watchers bit and then the gym bit. So I have like a whole section in my show that, grew from that one little gps joke so is every comedian's uh, um commentary on weight loss is that called their fitbit <laughs> yeah uh, thank you very <laughs> <Or> much unfit <laughs> should be called their unfit bit next question how uh i'm sorry have you ever had a fangirl moment at a show like have you ever met somebody famous somebody that you respect that you had just this fangirl moment well, I actually had Phyllis Diller endorse my book. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, that was huge for me. You know, like I said in the beginning, when I first wrote the book, I didn't know what I was doing. It was completely self-published. Mm. But I wanted to have someone endorse it. And I wanted her. Uh, and I didn't know how to get a hold of her, you know. So I found um, this thing. It's called contactanycelebrity.com. And you can, you can get in touch with their management and you pay a serve, you pay like a service fee to get this contact information. And it's only like 30 bucks, I think, or something like that. Anyway, I found that and I found her manager and I reached out to him and I said what I was doing. I said, I'm starting comedy. I'm middle-aged. I've got five kids. I live in the Midwest. Those are all the things that she was. You know, Mm -hmm. now she's passed on, but Phyllis Diller was from Lima, Ohio. She was the mother of five children. And that's when she started her comedy career. And she was like a comedy icon in the world, not just in, you know, little Lima, Ohio. And she gave me, um, actually, I'm looking at it. It's the, um, this is what she said about my book, a funny book that will make you laugh, cry, and take life as it should be with a grain of salt. That was her endorsement. Yeah. So that was a fangirl moment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Question number six. uh, What habits or quirks do you have that Muffin teases you about? Hmm. 
muffin. He's a good muffin. I gotta tell you, he is a great guy. He he knows. Um, I, I want to say he knows when to keep his mouth shut because that's kind of like what it is. But he knows how to be measured with his words. That's a better way to say keep your mouth shut. Um, oh gosh, what does he tease me about? He te- okay, he teases me about my driving skills. Yeah, for sure. And I readily admit that I should not even have a driver's license. Most likely. No, (laughs) I drive way too slow. I do not like to go fast. I don't like to ride in the car going fast and I don't like to go fast. So there's one. All right. Final question. The interrogation book, your dream show, uh, who is on the show and, uh, where would you like it performed? Hmm. Nate Bargetzi. And we're in Nashville. At the, uh, Opry. Yeah, why not? Okay, nice. All right. So uh, that was the interrogation. You survived. Uh, awesome. Answer flying colors. Um, and after five kids, was he ever then nicknamed Stud Muffin? <laughs> oh, yeah. He he has a great <laughs> sense of humor, too. And he well, people will come up to him after the show if he's there. And they'll say, are you Muffin? And he's like, that's my last name. My first name is Stud. You know, he thinks it's, like, really great. <laughs> Nice. All right. Uh, Tracy, the final question we ask every guest is uh, for anyone that wants to step up, use their gifts, their talents, their passions, all for God's glory. What would you say your wise counsel is? I would say trust is the wise counsel. Trust. Um, God has gifted us all uniquely. And, you know, I, I remember years and years ago, way before I ever thought about doing comedy, I took a class at my church. It was called Network. And it was to discover your spiritual gift and then how you can use it for the Lord, right? And in the, I was on staff with the church. And so there was maybe 10 of us that were taking this class. Well, other people in the class, they had gifts of like leadership and then they had like hospitality and things like that. And we did this assessment in the program. And at the end of the assessment, you were, it was, you were supposed to say like what you'd like to do. Well, in my case, I liked to tell funny stories. And I was like... What's God going to do with that? What's he going to do with somebody that likes to tell funny stories? Because back then, that was when I was surviving all the things that our boys were doing. You know, the 24 trips to the emergency room and the fires in the oven and all the stuff. So I would come to the church, come to work, you know, and they'd be like, what'd they do now? You know, stuff like that. And back then, I just couldn't imagine that God could use what I loved to do for his glory. Gifts mm-hmm. for glory. I couldn't put those two things together because I'm like, well, my gift is dumb. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm so grateful that I can do this because it is so much fun to do comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say trust, trust that God is the giver of the gift and he is not going to gift you with something that he can't use. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. He gifts you with something. He gives you a purpose. It might take a couple decades, you know, <laughs> to figure it out. But he will lead you to, you know, to, to using your gift. So trust him with it. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. So, uh, Tracy, thank you again uh, for being on tonight. Uh, sure. uh, really excited to see this special and and, uh, and hopefully and, and see it open doors. And, and most importantly, see it change lives December 3rd and and beyond whenever they're able to see it and 
find that joy that that God puts in us that, that when we're able to laugh and, and just enjoy uh, his gifts and the talents that he's given people. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, everyone, again, uh, visit TracyDegraff.com. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you can also follow her on uh, fa- Facebook at Tracy DeGraff, uh, comedian and, uh, DeGraff is spelled D E G R A A F. Uh, for those that are uh, listening and you need, uh, you, you can't see the uh, pop-up on our screen right now, but, uh, uh Tracy, we uh, wish you a, a sold out show. And, uh, again, pick up the book. Uh, it, uh you did say that this book is going to be a, a part of the, the ticket price. Is that yes. Correct? So every person that comes to the show is going to get a copy of my book. So they're going to pay $20 for the ticket for the show and they get a $15 book. So that's pretty good. And for those who went to public school, that's a, a, a basically a $5 <laughs> uh, ticket because you're getting that's the book. Right. Under it. <laughs> that's right. So uh, pick up the, uh, the book either online or at the show on the third in Piatone. And uh, for uh, next week, we are c- continuing. The last we'll be having uh, Donnie Stopa, Donnie the Entertainer, a, uh, a comic that uh, he's got his own dry bar. He's uh, touring the country. Uh, he'll be on our show next week on the 22nd. Uh, so that one's going to be a lot of fun uh, to have him on. And uh, for me personally, I am diving into the stand-up world. Uh, so if you're in the Chicago area, come on out to Burnham this Friday night. We've got some live comedy uh, with uh, Tony Kay, Mac Red, me, and uh, it's uh, hosted by Pastor Leonard Ross. Uh, you can find all the details on the Christian Comedy Network on Facebook. But I'm diving into the stand-up world. Hopefully I don't fall flat on my face, although <laughs> that, that might be funny. You could do it, Dave. <laughs> So, uh, Tracy, thank you again, and uh, we will see everyone next Monday evening, and uh, we'll talk to you then.